0: What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into another edition of the Jim Bratton Podcast. And before I get going with today's show, I do have just a few little housekeeping notes before I get into the nitty-gritty of today's show. First off, I would just like to very much thank the listening and viewing audience of the show. Just thank all of you, thank all of you guys so much for all of the interest that has been shown in buying the official Jim Braden podcast merchandise. All I have right now are, and honestly, I do. I, I really don't even have any in stock at the moment, to be honest with you guys. The demand really is outperforming the supply at this point, if I'm being totally honest. But as soon as I get all of your orders together on the t-shirts or sweatshirts, just feel free to let me know which size you would be interested in getting, and if you would be interested in getting a t-shirt or a sweatshirt, or perhaps both, if you so desire, but as soon as I get all of the orders sort of written down and in my head, I will, uh, of course, begin the process of Doing everything that I need to do to get those orders ready to go. And printed off is probably the wrong phrase to use. Stitched, I guess, would be the the right word to use as far as the logo. Getting that onto the actual article of clothing is concerned. But what I'm trying to say is. Let me know if you want a t-shirt or sweatshirt, and I will get those to you as soon as possible. As far as pricing goes, I have also not ironed out uh, out all of the details on that yet either, but what I can say is that I promise it's not going to break the bank, okay? Okay. It's, the prices are going to be, of course, fairly reasonable. And as soon as I get all of those details ironed out, I will let you guys know what is going on with that as soon as possible. And it's really been just overwhelming to see the amount of interest in... The show, as far as people wanting to buy t-shirts and sweatshirts, uh, one quick note, hats may or may not be on the way as well. So just keep that in mind if you happen to be interested in a hat down the road. But just the love and support from all of you guys has just been phenomenal. And it really, really humbles me to a very large degree. And I just cannot begin to thank you all enough for your love and support and for the love and support that the show has gotten since I started doing this. It's really been unbelievable to see. So from the bottom of my heart, just thank you guys so, so much. I really, really, really Appreciate it. Now, let's get to the sport, shall we? Just to sort of sum up a few things that went on in the sports world recently before I get into the college football stories. Uh how how about those well just I'm just gonna focus on the men's in particular because Wow, what a men's men's final that was at Wimbledon yesterday between Carlos Alcaraz and Novak Djokovic, the Joker, as he is called. And uh, of course, while we continue to call him the Joker, he has very much not been a joke at Wimbledon he's won the last four Wimbledon men's singles titles up until yesterday, obviously, and hadn't lost hadn't lost a match at center court at Wimbledon in what seems like gosh seems like an eternity, I think it's actually been. Something like 2,000 and something days is the, I believe, what I heard on the TV today when they were addressing the upset, I don't know, and frankly, I don't even know if we can call it an upset, because we're talking about Carlos Alcaraz, the number one seeded player in the tournament, but... Just what a phenomenal match that was. It did end up going into a fifth set, which is should not be a shock to anybody when you're talking about the top two players in the world, but it's it was really just. Unbelievable. It was really just unbelievable to watch some of the shots these guys were making, both Alcaraz and Novak Djokovic. It was really just phenomenal to see, and it was just a phenomenal tennis match overall. It's really what the tennis world wanted, I would think. So, shout out to Carlos Alcaraz for getting the job done yesterday. Uh, He he is, fun fact for the listening and viewing audience of the show, this man has not even turned 21 years old yet. So, I think he's only the the third... I believe I saw this right. He's only the third... Player in men's ten- the history of men's tennis to win Wimbledon before turning twenty one. I believe that is the stat that I saw today. And if any of you tennis aficionados out there uh, have the correct stat, then please feel free to correct me in the comment section but i believe those i believe that was the statistic that i saw but shout out to carlos alcaraz for getting the job done yesterday now let me very quickly address this before i get on to college football because there was some big news that came up in the NFL yesterday which I'm very very much excited about. So here's the deal, guys. I was completely oblivious to the whole DeAndre Hopkins thing. I was not expecting a signing to to happen Yesterday, whether it be with the the Chiefs or the Patriots or the Titans, whether it be with any one of those three or so teams, he had been DeAndre Hopkins had been rumored to sign with. I was not expecting a signing to come down yesterday. And I, I of course, had my notes all ready for the college football edition of the show, which I'm going to be getting into here in a minute. I was hyped, right? SEC media days are going on right now. College football is now less than 50 days away from kicking off, blah, 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 blah. I was ready to go for the college football edition of the Jim Bratton podcast. Not the preview, but just the show where I recap two of the really negative stories in college football. The preview will be coming a few days or weeks from now, but was not expecting a D-hop signing Yesterday, the Tennessee Titans obviously had other plans in that regard because they decided to tell me to hold all of their drinks, so to speak, and go out and sign DeAndre Hopkins, the big-time free agent, former, soon-to-be former free agent wide receiver. And so what I'm going to do now is, since I didn't really want to go back and cram more note-taking into today's preparation for the show, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to come back on tomorrow and do a special edition episode of the show focusing on the Titans and D-Hop. And so, what I'm going to ask you all to do is, if you happen to have any mailbag questions for me about the Tennessee Titans and DeAndre Hopkins and the overall makeup of the team now that DeAndre Hopkins is going to be a Titan obviously. Uh, Feel free to let me know what those mailbag questions are and I will answer them on tomorrow's edition of the Jim Bratton podcast. And so that's all I'm going to say about that today. I'm going to save all of that dirty work for tomorrow and the special edition episode about D-Hop. Very much looking forward to doing that. But as far as today goes, let me catch you all up on some of the, I don't want to say both of these are fully negative storylines, although one of them very much is a negative storyline. I mean there's nothing good about what's going on at Northwestern right now or what has been going on there over the past couple of seasons at least, it's it's certainly, I would say not as I mean it's it's a big issue, obviously but when you when you compare it to other scandals that have gone on at Big 10 football programs in the last 10, 20, 30 years this this really just seems more like a blip on the radar when you compare it to all of the various other scandals. I'm looking at you, Penn State, in particular when I say that. But Northwestern and this this hazing stuff is not something I expected to hear about when possible scandals come up. You know, Reese Davis from... ESPN, I heard this audio of Reese Davis saying that out of all the... He could come up with a list of college football programs that he would not think, and nobody else would think, really, uh, would be involved in big-time scandals like this. He had Northwestern on that list of programs. And when you look at the way at least we all perceived Northwestern to be run, we can all assume that everybody would have Northwestern on that list as well. But it's just... Crazy to me to think that they are actually on this list as far as the list of scandals go and the, the hazing that has apparently been taking place at Northwestern over the last few seasons. It's a really interesting situation because they have now fired their head coach Pat Fitzgerald winningest head coach in the history of the Northwestern football program with with a record of 110 and 101 110 wins 101 losses had been there since 2006 i do believe and Up until this point, we all viewed Pat Fitzgerald as the, I don't want to say the gold standard because that's obviously, if I say that, that would obviously be lumping him in with the Nick Sabans of the world, the Kirby Smart of the world, and Northwestern has not necessarily been on that level. I mean, when you compare Northwestern to Georgia and Alabama, you just kind of have to laugh because there is no, really no comparison. But Northwestern, to their credit, they have a, they've been pretty comp- fairly competitive most years that Pat Fitzgerald has been at the helm of the program. And it's an interesting situation because they decided to fire him after originally deciding to suspend him for, I believe, just a couple of weeks. And obviously, since in the time that they made the original decision to suspend him up until now. More information has obviously come to light. And Northwestern Brass has realized, oh, snap. This is, this is a little bit worse. Much, much worse, actually, than we originally thought. And we're probably going to have to get some lawyers involved and blah, 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 blah much worse situation than they had originally anticipated. And up until this point, I'm not even aware who, who the interim coach is going to be because at this point it's a little bit too late in the cycle to go out and hire a new head coach straight up, and you're pretty much stuck in a situation that West Virginia basketball was in. That's a very interesting situation, too, by the way, which I will save for another time, but you've basically got to honestly probably stay in-house as far as an interim coach goes, before you go on more of a national search, if you will. So, very, very tricky situation for Northwestern right now. What did they get in trouble for, you may ask? Well, uh, apparently, the underclassmen at the program were put in a situation where if they make a mistake at practice then the upperclassmen haze them, essentially. And I'm not sure that I necessarily have time to get into what all of the details are about that and may not even necessarily be the most correct thing to do for the listening and viewing audience of the Jim Bratton podcast. But if you are so inclined to look up what those details are, feel free to do so on your own time. But Pat Fitzgerald was sort of roped into this after a report from a whistleblower came out that said, "hmm, and I, I guess I'm not, I'm not quoting directly from the whistleblower here. I'm, quite, I'm going to quote from this uh, Sports Illustrated report about what about what the whistleblower had said. The SI report said, quote, while investigators could not prove Fitzgerald was aware of hazing within the program, allegations made by a whistleblower were largely supported by evidence. And again, if you are so inclined to look up what those allegations are, feel free, you can of course feel free to do so on your own time, but some of my general takeaways on this, very quickly before I get on to the next big storyline, which will really excite Tennessee Vols fans in a lot of ways, but and also make frustrate them and others. But anyway, I digress. Uh, As far as the Northwestern situation goes, it was a bit of a shock to me, obviously, because I agree with what Reese Davis has said on the matter, where you can put Northwestern on a list of programs that you think would not be involved in any of this stuff. You know, your, your Clemsons, your Notre Dames of the world, and what have you. Northwestern would definitely be one of those programs on that list. And if the allegations are true... Then it's sort of going to be a hit to pat to Pat Fitzgerald in a lot of ways because up in, of course up until this point, Pat Fitzgerald was viewed as a man of the utmost integrity, if you will, and these sort of allegations. against Pat Fitzgerald really put a damper on his legacy, much like they did in... And I guess I'm going to go back into the Penn State analogy for a little bit before I move on to the next story. You you all remember the scandal at Penn State several years ago, right, with Jerry Sandusky and the child sexual abuse and the cover-up that took place for about 20 or about, it was even more than 20, about 30 years. 30 years was the cover-up that essentially lasted at Penn State as far as Jerry Sandusky goes, and Joe Paterno goes. After that investigation took place and all of the facts came out and what have you, that is when, and I guess it's, for me personally, I guess it's a little better now than it was, but that moment's when I lost all respect that I had for Joe Paterno and Penn State football. Or at least the people involved in the administration at that time. And of course, I had no respect for Jerry Sandusky to begin with. But, while and that, that's all I'm going to say about Penn State. Because I, and to be fair to them, I will say that James Franklin has obviously done, and even Bill O'Brien, before him, did the best job that they could of changing the culture of the program and moving on from all of those events as best. As they possibly could, although the stain from that is in some ways always going to be there. But that's all I'm gonna say about Penn State. It is going to be interesting to see, maybe not on a national stage more than a local stage, but it's gonna be interesting to see if that has the same sort of impact here, although, we're, again, we're talking about two completely different situations, but it's going to be interesting to see more locally how this impacts the Northwestern football program because, obviously, Penn State did take a little bit of a hit back in the day once all of those stories started coming out. But, we will just have to wait and see. Time will have to tell the tale on what happens with Northwestern football. Now, let me move on to the... Storyline that I think much of the listening and viewing audience of the Jim Bratton podcast will enjoy even more so than the Northwestern thing. Uh, The Tennessee Vols, you all will remember, have recently been involved in some scandals as far as Jeremy Pruitt and... His administration goes, and Jeremy Pruitt and his wife and handing out money to recruits in either Mc- McDonald's or chick-fil-a bags, I've sort of heard both both restaurants being mentioned, bottom line being you cannot make a or could not make payments to recruits. This remember this this is pre name, image, and likeness here. Uh, But obviously some sort of punishment was coming. Luckily for Tennessee, it is not going to be as severe as it could have been. Because The main takeaway, as far as the punishment from the NCAA goes, is that there is not going to be a bowl ban for Tennessee football, which is, I think, tremendous as far as the continued development of the program goes, although they didn't get off scot-free, necessarily, because the punishment is, and I didn't, there's a lot of things in this punishment, obviously, but the most recent thing that I saw was that they are going to have to vacate some wins from, I believe, 2018 to 2020, which would be the three years that Jeremy Pruitt, was the head coach. In addition to that, and of course that's no big. That I guess shouldn't be a really big deal because the, Vols didn't really win too many. Get didn't really win too many games from twenty eighteen to twenty twenty. So, I mean, they they lot I mean, Jeremy Pruitt lost to BYU and Georgia State in the same year, for goodness sake. But I think we really need to move as far away from the Jeremy Pruitt era as we possibly can. And when you look at the way Tennessee's playing now, they obviously already have. But I digress. Let me get back into this punishment. In addition to the wins being vacated, they the university is also going to have to pay an $8 million fine. They have been put on a five-year probationary period and will be losing a total of 28 scholarships over that the course of that five-year probationary period. But, of course, the main takeaway to take out of this is that there is no postseason ban. And so, I'm not going to speculate on... Which bowl game the balls will be going to, or at least in the hunt for this year. For obvious reasons, and I'm I'm going to go ahead and knock knock on some wood when I say that, because I want it to be the as a fan, I want it to be the best bowl game possible, obviously. But the main takeaway is no bowl ban for the Tennessee football program. And Josh Heipel came out and said that he's very happy for the kids that are currently on the, t- on the team in that regard. But for those of you who may not necessarily remember all Of the headlines about this story other than the Jeremy Pruitt sending recruits cash in fast food bags thing. Uh, Let me catch you all up. The and this is according to reporting that has been done on the issue. The school committed quote hundreds of violations that Took place in the Tennessee football program over Jeremy Pruitt's three seasons at the helm, which included 18 level one violations. And I'm not necessarily as familiar with the NCAA rule book as maybe a lot of other people out there are, but when you Commit a level one, level one, violation. Let alone eighteen of them, is not necessarily a situation that you want to be in, as a program. But my general takeaways on this are that, and I, and I rem, I do remember saying. Back when this story originally came out, is that the Tennessee Vols? Or, or maybe I didn't necessarily say this. I was so I sort of wanted to allude to it, but. At the time, I would have thought that the punishment did not need to be that severe, i.e., a postseason ban, because nobody associated with the Jeremy Pruitt era is at the U- at the University of Tennessee anymore. The University has a new chancellor in Donny Plowman. They have a, they have a new president in Randy Boyd. They have a new athletic director in Danny White, who took over for uh, Fat Phil, as he's lovingly called Philip Fulmer, and obviously you have a new. Head football coach in Josh Heupel, who took out, ho- who took over for Jeremy Pruitt. So nobody involved, or nobody associated with the previous administration, is no longer. How shall how shall I say this? Everybody associated with that situation. Is No longer at the University of Tennessee is what I was trying to get out and so For that reason, I didn't think that the punishment Should have warranted a bowl ban necessarily and it of course doesn't but What are my What are my other general takeaways about this you might ask well? As I was alluding to before, the University of Tennessee is trying to wash its hands as, clean, as cleanly as possible from the Jeremy Pruitt era, and based on the way they've played on the field last year in particular, uh, I think they've very much done a good job of doing that. I very much am on board with what Josh Heupel has said about being thrilled for his guys and them, of course, being able to continue to play for the University of Tennessee. There's, I I certainly have not seen any reports of people entering. The transfer portal at Tennessee, which is typically what you would see, if a which is typically what you see when a program faces a postseason ban, because guys want to go out and win national championships, win win big time New Year's Six bowl games, blah 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 blah. But I haven't seen anything that has been reported recently as far as that goes. And I'm not going to because, knock on wood, I'm not going to because I don't expect that to happen. The lack of scholarships over the next five years may or may not have an impact, honestly, based on the way Tennessee has been recruiting. They've obviously been recruiting very well over the course of the last few years since Josh Heupel has been in Knoxville. But while the punishment Tennessee was not all bad. It wasn't necessarily all good either. It could it have, could, believe me, it could have been much, much worse. And one of the very exciting things that is going on with Tennessee's program right now that I think should also excite a lot of Vols fans is that Josh Heupel in my opinion, is establishing a culture at Tennessee which is very, very different from the previous administration, the Philip Fulmer and it pains me it pains me to say that I arguably have mixed feelings about Philip Fulmer at this point, because all of the Jeremy Pruitt stuff and all of these violations did happen under his watch. The culture is going to be very, very different, I think, in the Danny White, Josh Heupel administration than it was under the Philip Fulmer... Jeremy Pruitt administration, and so Tennessee sort of has more of a, a cleaner program, if you will, and certainly it's very very different now with with the name, image, and likeness coming to the forefront. I mean, a lot of a lot of people can view that as. I'm not saying I necessarily feel this way but but a lot of the mainstream college football traditionalists if you will view the NIL thing as sort of legal cheating at this point but I've always sort of viewed it as more of a this is the way it is now this this is the wild wild west of college football coming to fruition in a lot of ways and it's very very it's a very very different world in college football than it was 10 years ago even even five years ago before NIL came to the forefront even more but Bottom line about the Tennessee situation is it could have... It's not necessarily the best thing in the world, but it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world either as far as the severity of the punishment is concerned. But with... All of that being said, gosh, just going through these storylines, as bad as as bad as some of them are, in a lot of ways, it really excites me. It that much more for college football season. I cannot wait for it to get here. And for those of you who are interested in the end. I'm very much excited about and interested in breaking these all down to you are the season previews for the college football season and the NFL season. And when I say that, I'm talking about more, the more broad spectrum of the football scene and not necessarily what I'm going to be talking about tomorrow on the show which is The Hop. De- DeAndre gosh, the last thing I will say before I get out of here as just a sort of a prelude to tomorrow's edition of the show. Uh De- DeAndre Hopkins. What a guy. What a guy, Nuke Hopkins. I, I remember saying that, and really, I guess this came from more me being angry about the Nicholas Petit Frere suspension. When I said, "Oh, this is this is going to turn off DeAndre Hopkins." He's probably going to go to the Patriots now. Look at what the look at what they're doing—extending ex- people's contracts and creating more cap room. Blah 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 blah. I was really, I guess, more frustrated about in the whole NPF thing than I was about some of the other things that I've said which is that the allure of the New England Patriots, the allure of playing for the New England Patriots is not there anymore, in my opinion, because obviously TB12 is not there anymore. Nothing against Coach Belichick, obviously, He's argu- he's arguably the greatest coach in the history of the NFL. But TB twelve man is just something. De- there's just something different about him. I mean, after he leaves the Patriots, he goes out and wins the Super Bowl with the Bucks in his first year in Tampa Bay without Bill Belichick, and I think maybe that's something that turned off DeAndre Hopkins in some ways as far as his interest or la- or lack thereof with signing with the New England Patriots but i should pro- i probably have a few more things that i could say but what i'm going to do is i'm just going to leave that as a little bit of a tease before tomorrow's special d-hop edition of the show and so with all of that being said thank you all so much for watching and listening to the show today thank you all so much for your continued support if you are interested in buying a t-shirt t-shirt or a sweatshirt please feel free to let me know which you which product you would be interested in and in which size and I will do the absolute best that I can to get those delivered to you as soon as possible. But just last thing I'll say before I get out of here is just from the bottom of my heart just thank you all so much for your continued love and support of me and the show. It really, really humbles me and means a lot more to me than you guys will ever know. But I'm going to go ahead and de-hop out of here. I mean, hop out of it. What did I say? De-hop? W- wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But I'm going to go ahead and get out of here Thank you guys so much for watching and listening to this edition of the show, and I will see you guys tomorrow.